Good morning. Today's date is April 3rd, 2022. We are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are reading from page 73 and in, in, into action. We must be entirely honest through and including page 75, returning home, we find a place. So we're in the midst of step five. Um, today, Karen C is gonna be our reader and it'll be followed by a 20 minute share by Linda S. Thanks, Karen. Thank you, this is Karen C again, uh, recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. We must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. Those of us belonging to a religious denomination, which requires confession, must, and of course will want to go to the properly anoint, appointed authority whose duty it is to receive it. Though we have no religious connection, we may still do well to talk with someone ordained by an established religion. We often find such a person quick to see and understand our problem. Of course, we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. If we cannot or would rather not do this, we search our acquaintance for a closed mouth understanding friend. Perhaps our doctor or psychologist will be the person. It may be one of our own family, but we cannot disclose anything to our wives or our parents, which will hurt them and make them unhappy. We have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. Such parts of our stories we tell to someone who will understand yet be unaffected. The rule is we must be hard on ourselves, but always considerate of others. Notwithstanding the great necessity for discussing ourselves with someone, it may be one is so situated that there is no suitable person available. If that is so, this step may be postponed. Only, however, if we hold ourselves in complete readiness to go through with it at the first opportunity. We say this because we are very anxious that we talk to the right person. It is important that we be able to keep a confidence, that he be able to keep a confidence, that he fully understand and approve what we're driving at that he will not try to change our plan, but we must not use this as a mere excuse to postpone. When we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. We have written an inventory and we are prepared for a long talk. We explain to our partner what we are about to do and why we have to do it. He should realize that we are engaged upon a life and death errand. Most people approached in this way maybe will be glad to help. They will be honored by our confidence. We pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Once we have taken this step withholding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we, were all, we are on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. Taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps, carefully reading the first five proposals. 
we ask if we have omitted anything, for we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skipped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? I pass. Thanks so much, Karen. And next we have Linda S. who's gonna share on these pages. Thank you so much for your service, Linda. Linda, you're not mute, you're still muted. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Kim, for inviting me and to everyone who makes this very wonderful big book meeting possible. Um, it's a little bit intimidating speaking to such a large audience of 170 people, uh, but I'll hand it over to God and uh, let God um, uh, do what God does best. Okay. So having only really discovered the big book in uh, the last year or so, I can say with St. Augustine, as he did in the fourth century about God, Oh, late have I loved thee. Though I first came into OA in the 1990s, the big book sat pretty much untouched on my shelf for years, except that I'd pull it out when our weekly meeting would have a reading from it, often one of the stories at the back of the book. It wasn't until August of 2021 that I began coming to this meeting, uh, got a big book sponsor, and found what I hope to be the lasting um, miracle of recovery. I won't dwell too much on my story because there is very much to learn from these couple of pages. I think I was born a compulsive overeater. My sister Kathy and I are just 18 months apart, and my mother always tells me that I used to st steal uh, her, uh, my sister Kathy's baby bottle. Uh, and I also do remember stealing candy bars from my mother's drawer. Beginning in about fifth grade, uh, I began a long cycle of diet doctors, various programs, and fluctuating weights. I'm five foot one, at least I used to be, and my highest ever weight uh, was 220 pounds. I was 21 years old. I've been a member of a Catholic religious congregation since 1969, have lived in four countries and worked in another 15 countries. And every time I would return home, my sister Kathy would say to me, I never expect to see you fat or thin because you're always up and down. And that was very true. At present, I live in a community of seven. I'm a nurse and by far the youngest. All of the sisters in the community are Irish and they taught in the local school for 60 years before their retirement. Everybody knows them in the parish. And so we get lots of so-called goodies uh, that fill our kitchen. And that would really be very deadly for me as a compulsive eater, had I not found uh, recovery in this program. Today, I'm 126 pounds. God is gifting me with a, a life that is happy, joyous, and free. Even though 
in my present living situation and in my family, we have several members, both in my family and in, in community, that have several that have a lot of uh, serious health conditions that I'm uh, uh, occupied with and occupy my time. But now let's go to these wonderful pages in the big book. All about continuing with step five. I think of the big book as a recipe book with ingredients and directions for every step. I believe that the two essential ingredients for every one of the steps are honesty that leads to humility and willingness that leads to empowerment. So the first direction is the last line on page 73 and going into 74. We must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. I used to think that I was the most honest person in the world and prided myself on being cash register honest. That's a joke. I'm an addict. Of course I lie. Of course I'm dishonest. I want you to think that I'm just a little angel, but I won't tell you something if I think that it's going to make you not like me. And I can say to the community that I'm invited out to lunch and then go to a solitary lunch at Wendy's, rationalizing to myself that yes, Wendy invited me. So the first thing is to be entirely honest, holding back nothing, not skimping on important details, not minimizing my role in it, and not accidentally forgetting the most important thing. The second part of that sentence says, if we expect to live long and happily in this world, my life depends on doing this step honestly. My physical life, emotional life, and spiritual life. For me, the physical, I had all kinds of physical problems at 220, and even at 220, even at 200, where I stayed for a lot of the time. I had gastritis, sleep apnea, high blood pressure. I couldn't walk down the stairs or up their stairs. That's gone now. Emotionally, my relationships suffered because I was focused on the food rather than on relationships and on the other person. And I had no idea how I was coming across to other people. And spiritually, my addiction really did block my intuition, which I believe is God's direct line of communication to me. And so when I'm not honest, uncomfortable feelings rise up inside of me. I don't feel good about myself. I know I've been dishonest and that makes me uncomfortable. And I hate uncomfortable feelings. I go right to my, my drug of choice, which is food, sugar or flour. That's, that's, that was my, my trigger foods. And my food, my trigger foods 
uh, will certainly kill me. So my life depends on doing this step honestly. The second direction, the top of page 74. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and personal step. I came to this meeting and got a sponsor right away. I wasted no time at all looking around. There was a, a, a notice in the chat from a woman who said that she was an available sponsor. And I figured if she was coming to this meeting and was abstinent and putting herself out there as a sponsor, that was fine with me. I was ready to do whatever she told me because I was pretty desperate at that stage. I kept back and forth in relapse for many years. And so I was desperate enough to do whatever she told me. As it turned out, it was a real God moment. My sponsor is an amazing woman. And you know, I have to say that because she's on the call. But truly, she is an amazing woman. And she and I clicked immediately and got down to the business of the steps according to the big book. The big book was written before there were such things as sponsors. And so, of course, one had to be careful with whom to share because not everyone is able to keep a confidence or willing or able to listen to the heart of another person. Today, fortunate for us, we have sponsors that are uniquely qualified to take our, fourth, our, our fifth step. And uh, there's many reasons for that. But the option to go to someone else is also always there. On page 74, the big book lists the requisites that such a person needs to have. Near the center, it says to be closed mouth. And then down at the bottom, to be able to keep a confidence, to be understanding, yet unaffected. For example, not somebody in your family who might be distressed by your confessions. That they fully understand and, and approval of what you're doing, what you're driving at. And finally, that they will not try to change your mind. The third direction on page 75. When we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. We have a written inventory and are prepared for a long talk. I've done inventories many ways, but I like the inventory form that the, my big book sponsor recommended to me. And I now use them with my sponsees. The forms provide just enough space to write in bullet form. form. And that's ideal because it's important not to get caught up in a long story. Long stories tend to get us uh, into all kinds of excuses. And we don't want that. We just want the facts. I heard on a podcast recently that the purpose of step five 
is to examine the information we found in step four and make sure it's the truth. And in step five, we get another person's perspective to try to improve on this truth. So we need to focus just on the bare facts, just as you would in any store inventory. What's there, what's not there. The fourth direction, we pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. We need to be honest and thorough. The step also says we need, we admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Doing a step five, is a very sacred moment, both for yourself and your sponsor. Face-to-face, -face, of course, is ideal, but I also found Zoom uh, very good. You might think about lighting a candle to represent God, to indicate that this is truly a sacred moment, a sacred moment between God, yourself, and your sponsee. I also begin with a set-aside prayer and also a prayer that God will be with us. After my sponsee has shared, I uh, am sure to read the promises of the fifth step, which are found on the middle of page 75. Once we have taken this step withholding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall away. We begin to feel the nearness of our creator. We may have had, we, we may have had certain spiritual beliefs but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we are on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. And I tell my sponsees that they might already be feeling some of these promises and that others may come in time. The OA 12 and 12 has a wonderful paragraph about the humility that results from doing step five. And so I'm just gonna read that to you. It's on page 41 in the, oh, sorry. Um, yeah. Page 41 in the OA 12 and 12, the second edition. In practice, when we actually share our fifth step, we find that we are humbled without being humiliated. Many of us have felt that we had to be better than everybody else, or we were no good at all. Through the fifth step process, we begin to see reality. All our striving to get ahead has been useless. We are neither above nor below the rest of the human race. We are part of it, shaped by the same basic needs and desires of all of our fellows. 
This was my experience. I had worked hard in my inventory and thought that I had done a good job. But when my sponsor said to me, but what about this and this and this? After the initial puncture to my ego, I began to recognize the value of her point of view because she said to me, we'll do it together. I'll help you. There was no judgment, just a concern to get to the truth so that I could recover. I felt grateful and humbled. Then on the page, at the bottom of page 75, it says, returning home. We find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. We thank God from the bottom of our hearts that we know him better. We follow the directions um, that, that says in that paragraph. And so I asked the, the person to then uh, to do that uh, and to take an hour off just quietly by themselves. And after an hour to call me back. And if something else has come up, we talk about it. If not, then we go on to step six. But before going on to step six, I often ask them to please also uh, write an inventory of their assets. And we might have time, I think, still to, to look at some of the references for taking stock of our assets, our good points, the positive points about ourselves. And the first is on the, in the AA 12 and 12 on page 46. It says, the sponsor probably points out that the newcomer has some assets which can be noted along with his liabilities. This tends to clear away morbidity and encourage balance. As soon as he begins to be more objective, the newcomer can fearlessly rather than fearfully look at his own defects. And the second reference is from the AA, from the OA 12 and 12 on page 36. It says, but no matter how many shortcomings we have, it's important to recognize that we have many good qualities as well. Now is the time to make a list of our positive characteristics. And then it goes on to give a whole bunch of different possible positive characteristics that the sponsee can can uh, uh, check off. And I, I feel that this is a healthy thing because it gets the person uh, to be more balanced uh, instead of a, a, a lopsided view just of looking at their defects. So I believe this is pretty much the end of my time uh, with you today. And I, I do thank you for sharing and be, being patient with me. <laughs>